as I was preparing for the sermon, I read this illustration that I know I've heard before, and some of you have probably heard before too. Sorry, I saw Chandler tiptoeing at the back, and I was like, what are you doing, Chandler? Got it. You realize I see it all sometimes, so... There was a small town in land far, far away, okay, and there were four prominent women, in, uh, prominent women from these prominent families that got together for a Bible study and breakfast. And of course, they're studying the book of James, which is, you know, as practical as it gets, and we've been through the book of James earlier, and anyway, they doing the book of James, and they come to the part where James 5, 16, it says, you know what, confess your sins to each other, right, and pray for each other that you may be healed, and that's the scripture that was there, and so these people are studying this portion and everything else, they're praying, and they finally decide, you know what, I think to be real true to the scripture, we need to confess our sins to one another and pray for each other, and so they decide to do that. Anyway, the first lady who's probably one of the most prominent people, the leader of the group, she stands up, I mean, not stands up, she starts by saying, the truth is I'm an all-out alcoholic. I'm just totally addicted to alcohol, especially when no one else is around, and even my husband doesn't know. So everybody empathizes with her and prays for her. Second lady, she says, I'm addicted to gambling, and I've taken a part-time job, which my husband doesn't know about, just so that I can pay, so that I can pay my debts off. And then everybody's empathetic and prays for her too. This third lady says, you know, I balance the books at home, and I very often hide some extra money from my husband in a separate account. And when he's not around and he's unaware, I just go buy myself some stuff. And everybody's like, wow, and they're empathetic, and they pray for her. And this fourth lady just won't say anything, and everybody's waiting for this fourth lady. And she, they, they all say, come on, we said, we made a deal that we've got to confess our sins to one another. And this lady just wouldn't say anything, and, and they would encourage her. And she finally says, I really have a problem. My problem is gossiping, and I can't wait to get out of here to meet with Elizabeth and Sharon. <laughs> I don't know, I just thought it was so funny when I read that again, because we all have problems. We all will have problems in life. Some everybody knows, and some only the Lord knows. Anyway, this morning we're jumping back into the last chapter of Galatians, and Galatians chapter 6, we are at the last chapter, if you've been wondering where, how long we're going to be in Galatians. Anyway, last, last time, uh, Pastor Chandler talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And we're coming to a point in this letter, which is, again, remember, it's, a, it's an amazing letter. It's Paul's first letter written ever, the first time. And I, I just marvel every time I think about it. It's the first time that the Holy Spirit just inspired Paul to pick up a pen and write something down. This is what he wrote to the church in Galatians. And we know he's talking to a church which is predominant, predominantly a, Jew, I mean, a Gentile church. And, of course, they've been saved. And then you have these Jewish Christians who are coming from Jerusalem, kind of false teachers have come in and they're trying to tell Paul, I mean, trying to tell these Galatians, hey, you've got to start following the Jewish traditions and the Jewish laws. If you're really saved, you've got to do this. And Paul, of course, is have none of it, really. And he's talking about, and he, he, he talks about, you know, the law and there's no, you don't have to follow the law as such. 
And he's moved and transitioned and we're coming to a part here in chapter 5 and chapter 6 where he makes this distinction where he's gone from the law, following the law. To he says, you're not saved by following the law, you're saved by grace. And he's transitioning to the part here where he says, now there is this part where you live by the spirit and you, or you have to live by the flesh. And so that's where he's going with this. And he talked about it in chapter 2 as Pastor Chandler talked about the living by the flesh or living by the spirit or walking in the step with the spirit of God. It's this contrast that he always draws. And living by the spirit, if you, if you want to call it that, or living uh, in step with the spirit, he also uses that phrase there. Walking by the Spirit, if you want to call it that. And you realize, and we ought to realize that if we have to define what Christian life really looks like, that's it right there. Living and walking by the Spirit of God. Living and walking by the Spirit of God. That's what we are called to. Walk according to the Spirit. Turn with me to Galatians. And we're going to read from Galatians chapter 5.25. Just the two verses there. And we're going to go through 6 verse 6. Galatians 5.25. Because he talks about this part. That's why I went back to these two verses. It says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's talking about walking with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Verse 6, brother, I mean, chapter 6. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live in the Spirit or live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. I know many translations talk about those who are spiritual. Now, I like this translation better here. Because sometimes when you think about spiritual, we think about some people who have been Christians long and they ought to be spiritual. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about Christians who are spiritual. You know, it's not talking about a hierarchy. There. He's talking about every single person. He's addressing the church. Those who live according to the spirit, not according to the law that was given by Moses. You restore them gently, but watch yourselves or you may be tempted. Carry and this is the verse that I'm going to focus on. Carry each other's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they have something, when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. It's interesting here. He says, Share one another's burdens, and here he's saying each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. As I was studying for this passage through this book and just rereading this passage again, I went through some of class notes of, uh, from, you know, from one of my professors at college, and uh, Dr. Gordon Fee, and He's just one of the most, I mean, I think he's one of the brilliant New Testament scholars ever. And he chose in this passage as he was going using to get into this passage of five, you know, where he talks about the fruit of the Spirit and everything else going in here. And he, uses, he used it essentially to summarize Christian living. To summarize what it means to live 
a walk by the Spirit. What it really looks like to walk in the Spirit. And he summarizes in four parts. And, and I've realized that that itself could be a whole sermon in itself. But I want to share some of that before we get into chapter 6. Living by the Spirit, or if you want to call it Christian living, there is one purpose. There are four Ps here. One purpose. The purpose is the glory of God. The purpose is the glory of God. That's it. The Christian story, you need to realize the Christian story does not begin with us and moves from us to God. No, it doesn't. It begins with God and then it includes us in His story. Amen. That's the Christian life. The Christian story begins with God. A God that loved the world and Paul talks about it in chapter 3 and 4. It doesn't start with Man and his quest for meaning. It doesn't start with man and his quest for purpose. It doesn't start with man who is searching for the truth. Church, the Christian life does not start with us humans. The Christian life has its beginning with the God of all creation choosing us to be the objects of his love. That's the essence of the Christian life. Christian story is about a God who, who loved us and loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son to die on a cross for us. That's the Christian story. That's the life we're called to live by pretty soon. I'll, we'll explain it. And because it's a story about a God who loves us, our primary purpose is to live for the glory of God. Because it's His story. That's why our purpose is to live for Him. That's why living in the Spirit is about living for His glory and His glory alone. That's it. That is the purpose. Living in the Spirit has one purpose. Living for His glory and His glory alone. Living in the Spirit is never about us. It's never about building our own petty little kingdoms. It's all about God's glory and building His kingdom. That's the purpose. That's the purpose, the beginning and end of our lives. Really, think about it, church. The beginning from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed again. The beginning and the end of our lives have to be driven by this one purpose. The glory of God who saved us. Amen. Scripture in 1 Corinthians 10.31, he says, So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you do for what? You do for the glory of God. That's the purpose. You have the purpose, which is the glory of God. And secondly, you have the pattern. Living by the Spirit, what is the pattern all about? The pattern is Christ. The pattern is Christ. The pattern by which we live by the Spirit is Jesus Christ. He is our example. He is our role model. That's it. How do God's people live? We live by following the pattern laid for us by our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's it. Amen. That's the pattern for Christian living. Amen. That's why it's, it's, it's important to emphasize growth every single day, every single moment. Because our whole idea, the pattern is to be more and more and more like Christ himself. That's our goal. That's the pattern. 
living by the Spirit is being patterning our life after Christ Himself. And let me say this, the, the Holy Spirit coming into our lives isn't, we got to realize that it isn't, uh, let me put it this way, Christ is a perfect reflection of who God is. And as we pattern our life through to Christ, we are patterning our life according to what God and who God really looks like. And then we become reflections of who He is to the world around us. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's what it is about. And I'm going to focus on chapter 6 and verse 2 where He talks about Bear one another's burdens. Why does he do that? Because Christ bore our burden. It's a pattern. Bear one another's burdens. Why do we need to do that? Because this is exactly what Jesus did. And we follow his example. When we pattern our lives after Christ, we live by the Spirit. And when we live by the Spirit, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. And it's kind of interesting if we all know, and I know I did the object lessons, 5.22, Galatians 5.22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you look at it carefully, except for the last one, self-control, every single one describes who God is, who Jesus is. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, those are all characteristics of God. And when we pattern our lives and live according to the Spirit, we're patterning our lives according to what Jesus really is like. His character. Jesus' character. When we live by the Spirit, we bear the fruit of the Spirit. We essentially take on the character of Christ Himself and the character of God Himself. Now please understand, again, it's, it's never about perfection. God or the Holy Spirit, let me say this. When He comes in, it's not about perfecting us. It's not about living in perfection. You got to think about it more as an infection. A divine infection that we allow to take control of our lives as we live our lives. Allowing it to sink in. To make a difference, to infect every area of our lives. That's what it is. As we allow the Holy Spirit in, into our lives. That is what the pattern of Christ is all about, church. Our pattern is to be the pattern of Christ. But let me be honest here for a second, because what we see in a lot of churches is this. We see a lot of people who are convinced That the Christian life is okay to be lived doing the bare minimum so that I can make it to heaven. Instead of going all out and trying to be more like Christ. That's just the truth. We have too many people sitting in churches who have convinced themselves that all I need to do is just do enough so that I don't lose my spot in heaven. And that's it, I'm good. But that's not the pattern we are called to. What we are called to do is wholeheartedly, every single day, follow Christ for the glory of God. Pattern ourselves to be transformed, transformed into His likeness. Becoming more like Him. That's a pattern. The purpose is God's glory. The pattern is Christ. And what's the principle according to which we live in the Spirit? The principle is love. The principle 
When we say we live by the Spirit, we're living by the principle of love. And it's pretty simple. It is pretty simple because God is love. God is love. That is the principle for Christian living. Because that's, that's, that's the very essence of who God is. Yes. How can we want to be something else? That's who he is and you realize every single thing he's done right from creation to when it's going to end is done because of his love for you and for me. Amen. That's his motivation right there. That's the principle we are to live by. We know John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? We know John 3.16, but I want to focus a little more on, 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 on Galatians 6.2. It says what again? Carry each other's burdens. In this way you fulfill the law of Christ. You fulfill the law of Christ. What? I mean, it's, kind of, it's actually kind of funny and you've got to take uh, a moment to realize Paul has a good sense of humor because he plays with words all the time. He plays with words all the time because if you've seen anything through this letter, does he have any kind of favorable view to the law itself? No. He's been like making, like saying, hey, observance of the law is no, it's not really a thing. Okay, the way these false teachers are emphasizing the law, that's wrong. He said the law only brought, this is what he told us all this while, the law only brought condemnation, the law brought death, the law was a guardian that basically disciplined you harshly when you didn't do it. The law did nothing to save you. He said there is no law and all of a sudden he says there's one law but there is one law that is the law of Christ. And so after all this negative if you want to call it that he's pushing us into the law of Christ which is love. That's it. The law of Christ which is love. He's making the point the previous law the observance of the Torah and these, what these false teachers were saying. You don't need that anymore. What you need is living by the Spirit. When you live by the Spirit, all you need is the law of Christ, which is love. Amen. He's making that distinction right there. He talks about it. If you read chapter 5, verse 14, just one, ver uh, one chapter before that, talking about the law of Christ, he says what? For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. Love your neighbor as yourself, if there is one law you need to observe, if there is one principle you need to live by, it is the law of love. Love. That's what it means to live by the Spirit. Jesus says, what does he say? Love your God and what? Love your neighbor. He summarizes the whole law into that. That's it. The purpose is God's glory. The pattern is Christ. The principle is love. And I want to look at one more verse in Galatians itself that Paul uses that, that uh, gives us this pattern and principle kind of brings it together. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. If you want to turn to that passage, Galatians 2 verse 20. The purpose is God's glory. The pattern is Christ. The principle is love. And now this verse kind of brings it together. Verse two, chapter 2 verse 20. It says... I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now this part here. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, amen. The pattern and the principle right there. 
pattern is Christ. And what did Christ do? He loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. He loved me and gave himself for me. Church, that is the principle of living in the Spirit. That is the principle of walking in the Spirit. Loving and giving of oneself. Loving and giving of oneself. And both those things are so far into the world we live in right now. Because love has to do everything, has everything to do with me. Love is so self-centered unless I feel it, right? It's not love. Same thing, giving. Gave himself. The principle of love, it's, it's as we follow. I mean, it's just, if you, you can't not give if you love genuinely. You can't hold back if you love genuinely. He loved us and gave himself for us. Walking by the Spirit is all about loving and giving of oneself. It is never self-centered, never self-gratifying. It's never self-seeking. It's all about giving. Just think about it. If this principle of walking by the Spirit, if walking this by the Spirit means loving and giving of oneself, if we, really, if we really live by this principle, how much more attractive would Christianity be to the world around us? If we just live by this principle, how much more attractive would following Christ really be? Loving and giving of oneself. The purpose is God's glory. The pattern is Christ. The principle is love. And the power, the last P there. The power is, and we don't have to be all Pentecostals here. The power is the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, I don't have to say much about it. Because I cannot imagine my life even for one day living my life without the power that enables me, that enablement that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Church, the power to live Christian lives is nothing other than living under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. It's not in willpower. It's in total surrender to the Spirit of God. Amen. The power of the Holy Spirit. The surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit. And we all know this. It's not just about speaking in tongues and prophesying and all the other manifestations. It is about the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to live, and I use this word, victorious Christian lives. Amen. Victorious Christian lives. That's what we are called to. The Holy Spirit enables us to live out and bear the Spirit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforms and conforms our life into the character of Christ itself. Amen. That's the power we need. Amen. That's the power we need. The purpose is God's glory. You're talking about, let's summarize this real quick. Christian living, living by the Spirit has one purpose, to live for God's glory. The pattern to live by the Spirit is to live like Christ. The principle to live by the Spirit is to live by the law of love. And the power to live by the Spirit is given by the Holy Spirit and nothing else. Amen. And so we surrender our lives to that. Yes, living by the Spirit. Verse 2, it says... Bear or carry each other's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law 
of Christ. I'm going to read that whole portion again in a little bit, but you need to realize as we get into that portion there, the one thing Paul is making absolutely clear, there is no Lone Ranger Christians around. Amen. There is no Lone Ranger Christianity because Christianity is always connected to community. You can't separate that. You can't think you can make it on your own because you'll never make it on, on your own. I need you, and as much as you dislike me, you need me too. That's it. With all our faults, with all our failures, we're still called into community because together we build each other up into the likeness of Christ. Amen. Please don't ever, don't ever underestimate your call to the body of Christ. I know too many people who think I'm just somebody who just slips in and slips out. What can I do to build the body of Christ? Let me tell you, you are a vital part of the body of Christ. Always have been and always will be. We are all called to community. If we're really going to make it in this world, church, we need each other. And the simple reason we need each other is because life is difficult. Life happens. Life happens. Life is filled with, if you want to use the word burdens, that we all will have to bear. And God's intention for the church is that we become a community and that as one person bears a burden, we come alongside and bear one another's or carry one another's burdens. That's how we fulfill the law of Christ. Let me read that section. Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you you who are spiritual, if you want to call it that by the NASB, should restore him gently, but watch yourselves. As you also may be tempted, carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. Verse 5 says, for each one should carry his own load. Each one should carry his own load. And verse 1 talking about community, it talks about the responsibility and the word here is restoration. We are called in community to restore one another. The ministry of restoration and let me say this and Paul says this and I know this is true. As we restore someone, we do it with a spirit of humility, we do it with a spirit of grace and we do it with a spirit of gentleness. I don't know if I've shared this example before, but I was part of one church that there was a member who was literally on his deathbed and doctors didn't give him more than a week to live and the pastor and a couple of deacons drove almost two hours to his house to tell him that he needed to confess of a sin that he committed years back. I don't know if that was done. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. I don't think that's what Paul is talking about here at all. When I heard that, I just was what in the world because... Very often we focus on the sin, but I think what we really need to focus, not focus on is brokenness. Brokenness. Brokenness caused by sin, yes. Brokenness caused by relationships. Brokenness caused by the hurt caused by the church itself. We have a lot of broken people around us and we are called to the ministry of restoring them into the family of God. Restoration. 
Second verse, he says they're living by the Spirit, of course, means restoring, restoring that relationship between man and God. In verse 2, he talks about bearing one another's burdens. Again, please realize when he says carry each other's burdens, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's imperative right there. He's not saying, if you like to, maybe if you have some extra time, won't you try and help someone out? Carry each other's burdens. No. It's a command. Carry. It's not an option. The burdens that we carry, there are others who carry different burdens. That's just the truth. The burden is, the word burden there is used, that is used there, is talking about a heavy, heavy weight. It's normally used for animals. You know, we talk about beasts or animals of burden. That's the phrase that's been used. That's the terminology. That's the idea he's given you there. That we bear and carry each other's burdens because the burden is so heavy for one person to carry. And the whole idea of bear right there is to carry or to lift off something. That's what the Greek is, to lift off the weight. And that's what we are called to do as we carry one another's burdens, to pick something up. And again, realize Paul is using this analogy here because we all go through tough times. We will all go through tough times. And yes, the context may be in sin, but it's also just in life in general too. And we are to do our best to lighten, lessen the load that our brother or sister are trying to carry. To be, that's the way you're a blessing to them. And please realize the word he uses here, it's not something that you do once. Okay, I helped them once, I've done my job, and that's it. No, it's something that you do continually. Continually that you do. Carry each other's burdens. In this way you fulfill the law of Christ. And it's kind of interesting. I drew your attention to that earlier. Verse 5 it says. For each one of you has to carry his own load. What's he talking about? Is he contradicting one another? It's two different words really. The burden he's talking about in chapter. In verse 2. It's more about something that's really bearing down. Something that's something that person cannot manage. The load he's talking to you. Talking about here in verse 5. It's something. It's more in terms of responsibility that you have. We all called, we all given some kind of responsibility. If you're talking about a military term, he's got to carry his pack, he's got to carry his rifle, he's got to carry his supplies. That's a burden he's got to bear. But the burden in chapter 2 is something that is so overwhelming that one person cannot carry it. It crushes them down and we are called to carry or share that burden with them. That's the difference between the two. You've got to realize this church we will all have to, at some point or the other, carry a burden. No one is exempt. No one is exempt from life. No one is exempt from life. Burden may be sorrow, maybe grief, maybe sickness, maybe anxiety, maybe emotional stuff, maybe scars from the past. Maybe the burden may be difficulties in relationships at home, relationships at work. The burden may be finances. It doesn't, depression, things we can share, things we cannot share with others. But realize every single one, if you look around you, has a burden. And we can share and help lessen that weight. Two things I want to end with real quick. 
First thing, if you want to help, you got to know that someone has a burden. If you want to just come in and go out and keep to yourself, you will never ever know that someone has a burden that you are called to bear with them. Realize you need to do your part to know because not everybody is going to come. I know there are some people who let you know everything that's going on in their life. You don't even have to ask them, they'll tell you. <laughs> but that's not the most of us. That's not the majority of people. The only way you can know a person's burden is by trying, making the effort, be intentional with connecting with them in community. Mm-hmm. It's only when you have true community will you know the burden someone is carrying, and then you can walk alongside them. That's the first thing. You need to know that people have a burden. The second thing you need to know is as a person carrying the burden, you've got to be willing to uh, allow someone else to share that burden with you. You were never, ever called to carry a burden on your own. You were never called to, like I said, there's no lone range of Christianity. You were never called to carry a burden on your own, but you have got to allow people into your life to allow people into your life so that they will be able and you allow them give them permission to carry that burden with you i know there are a lot of reasons and i've been been a pastor for a while and i know a lot of reasons why people struggle with the second point here fear because sometimes church is gossip central right you share one thing and you know you know we're very good with especially in our prayers you know you know, you know, I really know that brother so-and-so really didn't mean to beat his wife up today. And God, you know his heart. And We do that in prayer. We, I've seen that done so many times in my life. And I cringe. So spiritual gossip sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we fear that. Because we're fearful of what people are going to say. We're fearful of guilt. We're fearful, you know, if people will reject us if I share what I have. But let me say this, and I say this with humility. Pray and ask God to direct you to people in your life who will walk alongside you as you carry a burden. Find someone who will walk alongside you and be willing, be willing to share with them. Pride. Don't ever let pride get in the way of someone else carrying your burden with you. You know, Jesus says, just all I need is Jesus, right? Cast your burdens unto Christ. For what? Because he cares. Peter says what? Because he cares for us. Yes, that's true. But he also gave us a community of brothers and sisters who will walk alongside us. Amen. Trust God through this process. Bear one another's burdens. And as you do so, you fulfill the law of Christ. The reason I share this right at the end is Paul himself, the reason Paul can say this. It's because Paul himself experiences this in his life. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 7, when he comes to Macedonia, chapter 7, verses 5 through 7, when he comes through Macedonia, he says, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflicts on the outside, fears within, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. 
He told us about the longing for me, your deep sorrow, your ardent concern for me, so that my joy was greater than ever. Paul's talking about something in his own life. He was going to Macedonia. His body's totally, I mean, he's been through a lot. And he's down and out and depressed almost, downcast, he says. Fearful outside, conflict outside, fearful within. But the God who comforts the downcast sent him Titus. And because of Titus and the faith of the concern of the Corinthians, he says, my joy was greater than ever. Church, we all call to bear, carry one another's burdens. We all call to community, church, not to live on our own. Bow your heads with me at this time. God, we all call to live by the Spirit. Church, we all call to live by the Spirit or live or walk by the Spirit. It's living for one purpose, that's the glory of God. It's living according to one pattern, that is the pattern of Christ Himself. It's living by one principle, which is the principle of love. And it's living by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I picked one example of what it means to live by the Spirit. It means to carry one another's burdens. To bear or share one another's burdens. And in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. These last few moments, I want to reflect on the two questions I asked at the end. Do you know the burdens that people around you, seated around you right now in this church carry? Remember, you're called to live by the Spirit. And when you're called to live by the Spirit, one of the things you do is bear one another's burdens. That's what you're called to do. It's not a suggestion. Now ask yourself, are you aware of the burdens that people carry? If you're not, I encourage you to make a better effort to get to know people around you. Be genuine about it. Don't come in with this, oh, what can I pray for you today? Yes, that's great, but get to know them. That's the first part. And the second question is this. If you are a recipient, if you are carrying a burden, will you allow someone to walk alongside you? You've got to allow, make the decision to allow someone to walk alongside you. Ask God and pray and ask God to direct you. Yes, as the pastor, I try, but I can't do it all, church. When he says talking to the spiritual, he isn't talking about only to the leadership in the church. He's talking about everybody. He's talking about the whole church. Allow people to walk alongside you and share that burden. 
this is not gossip central. You don't have to fear guilt and what people will say. Trust in him. That he will raise up people to walk with you.